0: Biologic is Biological Medicine's Digital Roundtable, brought to you by the doctors at Biologic Center for Optimum Health. Join us as we discuss the intrinsic logic of the body, as well as practical steps you can take to see and feel a real difference in your own. Well, welcome everybody to our lunch lecture. We're going to be talking about mast cell activation today and maybe help you understand why some people feel like their body is on fire. Before we get started though, I wanna let you know that our presentation is for educational purposes only. And if you wanna see our full disclaimer, you can see it on the website there. So we wanna talk about what mast cell activation syndrome is or disorder, they sometimes call mast cell activation disease. Help you understand some of the biomarkers. How do we, how do we identify that this is truly mast cell? As you know, many chronic illness uh, symptoms often kind of bleed into to one of the other ones. Uh, so we want to help you to understand some of the symptoms about mast cell and then also associated conditions that are related. And then we'll go into some of the common medical treatments and eventually some of the natural treatments and the difference of what we do here at Biologic Center. So mast cells are kind of the mediators of the immune system they kinda bridge the gap between the nervous system, the gut, the immune system, and all other systems of the body. And they are part of the immune system as well. This condition though, it affects all systems. So it's a multi-system disorder. It can affect the nervous system, it can affect the gut, it can affect the skin. Any, Any known possible symptom could be associated with this. And this is why it's so hard sometimes to identify because it has such a broad spectrum of of symptoms. But it does affect about 8 to 14% of the population, mostly Caucasian females. And they have identified three main types of mast cell activation. The primary one is one where somebody has had it probably from birth. Most of the people that have a lot of allergies are, are more the worst case scenario for these mast cell activation cases they've had something going on probably from early childhood. Um, Very bad allergies, very bad reactions to things. But they're also secondary and idiopathic. Those are gonna come on later. And idiopathic, they don't know what causes that. Now the mast cells themselves contain a lot of different chemicals. And when they are activated, what that really means is they they release their content. It's like they get scared like the, what's that fish that blows up? Uh, and they release all their content, right? Uh, is it what is it? Pufferfish. Puffer Good. All right. So, uh, but some of the things that they release are histamine, and this is what a lot of people are already familiar with. But they will also release tumor necrosis factor. They'll release heparin. Uh, the histamine is actually probably the worst of all of these because it creates most of the symptoms. When you think of histamine, you're you're going to have to think of inflammation, and when you think of inflammation. You, you, you think of redness, you think of heat, you think of swelling, and you think of pain. And so depending on where that's at, it could create a, a whole bunch of different symptoms. But you've got your interleukins, you've got your tumor necrosis factor, and then you've also got some of these prostaglandins. When they get released, they can create tissue inflammation as well and increase vascular per- permeability. So this think of this increased va- vascular permeability as kind of like Swiss cheese allows more things to go in and out of the, uh, of the membrane, okay? And so when that happens, especially as it relates to skin and, and edema, you're going to see more fluids that will move out of the blood and into the tissue, creating that swelling, okay? So we need to look at all of those. And these are also some of the markers that we can see we'll get to. This chart kind of shows you this connection between the mast cell and every other Area of the body. The two main areas, though, that it affects are the brain and the gut. And I would say the majority of the symptoms that people deal with are either neurologically related or they're, they're gut related. So they have digestive issues, they might have gastrointestinal reflux, uh, or they might have brain issues like brain fog, uh, insomnia, irritability, anxiety, numbness, tingling. But you can see that there's a connection here. These kind of create the bridge. They almost are like a bridge between the nervous system and the immune system. And when you have this excess histamine, this can affect many symptoms. So if you're trying to treat this, you really need to have a good understanding of everything that's involved. because it's really a matter of sometimes picking through some of these symptoms and really trying to get to the bottom of all this, what's really causing this problem. So it does take a multi-pronged approach. As you can see, these are probably just a small sampling of the um, most common symptoms, but you can see some of these are neurological like fibromyalgia, uh, fatigue, eye irritation. You you might even see uh, heart issues like presyncope uh, or arrhythmias. You'll see things like GERD. Uh, Also, you might see chemical sensitivities. Now, there's some interesting research going on right now about multiple chemical sensitivities, which some people will suffer from, or quite a few people do. They're now thinking that probably the cause of this multiple chemical sensitivity is mast cell activation. Obviously, there's still more research that needs to be done, but they're really looking into that as as maybe the main cause of that. So if you're dealing with those chemical sensitivities, that might be a sign that something deeper and uh, more pervasive is going on. Now, understanding what causes it uh, and what brings it about is still, uh, they're still not clear on as it relates to re- research, but we do know there are many things that are involved, like emotional stresses and traumas. So if you've had a lot of emotional traumas as a child, or if you've had uh car wrecks or you've had chronic stress, this can play into this problem or uh, also chronic infections, viral infections, fungal infections, Lyme, some of the co-infections there they can often uh, create a problem like this. Other main things that might be a a, a problem with this is the genetic factors. So if someone has an inability to break down histamine because they don't make enough DAO enzyme or HNMT enzyme, this is diamine oxidase and HN methyl transferase. But these are the two components that are used to break down histamine in the body. Some people don't make enough of those enzymes. So they suffer from like a histamine intolerance or even possibly a mast cell activation. But also things like the HLA-DQ. Uh, If you have HLA-DQ, which about 25% of the population has, you may struggle to be able to detox, especially from mold. So you can see where this becomes a very complicated mess. Let's say you have somebody that has been exposed to mold and they've got mycotoxins in their body, and they have the HLADQ enzyme deficiency, they're not able to detox from that mold problem. And then this has now tr- created a situation where this ongoing exposure triggers them into a mast cell activation condition. This would be probably some of those cases where they didn't have it when they were younger, but you know they've gone through maybe a series of 10 years where they've had a lot of stress, then they got exposed to mold and then they have all these things that just trigger this mass cell activation and then that now they've gone from not having any problems or relatively few problems to major problems like they can't do anything all right so that would be more of those those uh, secondary ones but also um, heavy metals exposure other other toxin exposure which we're being exposed to all the time and then leaky gut would be another reason So there are also triggers. Uh, This may not be a direct cause, but it might be a trigger or it might be one thing and this thing and this thing, and they all combine together to create this problem. But hormone changes are often a problem, uh, especially women that go through pregnancies. It seems like, you know, we have a lot of cases where I was doing fine and then I had my second child and then all of a sudden I have all these issues. Well, it was that stress of all those hormone changes that, that led up to this situation and then you combine it with these other triggers but also alcohol, oxygen deprivation, uh, heat or cold overexposure. We're going to talk about the amygdala here in a little bit and how the amygdala sometimes gets confused and the central nervous system gets confused and you get stuck in this fight flight and this fight flight then can lead into a situation where your body will uh, start triggering these uh, mast cells. So it really comes down to this concept called the allostatic load. How much can your body take? How much stress can your body take? All of us were designed to to tolerate a certain amount of stress, but there comes a point in a lot of our lives where we've had too much and it's like the the last straw on the camel that broke the camel's back, so to speak. It was too much of a load and then the body just shut down and it stopped working like it was designed to work. Okay. So we have to look at that allostatic load and part of our, success here is really uncovering those loads and really unloading the body uh, and giving the body a chance to actually do what it was designed to do. So this, uh, this is that uh, cumulative wear and tear on the body uh, and it, it becomes too much for it. We talked uh, about associated conditions. What I find sometimes clinically is that um, when somebody has mast activation, it's often in association with erlers danlos Syndrome and also with POTS, that postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. We also see this in association with asthma and also fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue. So those are things that might lead us to think, okay, well, maybe if you've got this and you also have these symptoms, we might want to look in this direction. And that leads us to uh, the next slide here is, is the biomarkers. It really is important that we try to identify is this a mast cell activation case or not. The trouble with the uh, identifying of this is that these biomarkers, these serum and uh, urinary markers, are often very tricky to try to get. So they require sometimes frozen samples. They require that they be to the lab within a certain period of time when they're actually in a flare. And so it becomes very difficult to actually find that this person has it because of the way that the tests are, and, and there's just really no way around it at this point. There's just not a good enough test that actually can be done on a regular basis. Although there are several, like tryptase, prostaglandin, uh, total serum histamine, heparin is another one, chromogranin A, and also your complement ones, but. I find that the ones that can be done that don't require a lot of sensitivity and that don't require a a perfect amount of handling from the time it's drawn all the way to the time it's measured are things like heparin, chromogranin A, and also histamine. So if we can look at those at least, we can at least have a screening to see, hey, this may be one of the, uh, this may be something that, that, uh, that you're dealing with, and so we'll often order the histamine, the chromogranin A, and the heparin to uh, help us to identify that. You saw in another picture there where it said skin writing. Uh, there's another clinical sign that often we'll see, and it's called d- dermatographia, and that's where you could actually write on your arm. Uh, you could scratch on there, and that, that scratch will stay there for sometimes hours that's a sign that you are, you're overreacting to something that shouldn't you shouldn't have overreacted to. And so that often gives us a clue as well. Trying to identify treatments is probably the hardest thing for patients. And they'll go through a whole bunch of different things, medically and naturally, to try to help solve this problem. But some of the common medical treatments that might be used are over-the-counter antihistamines or prescription antihistamines as well, like chromalin, but uh, your H1 blockers are gonna be your over-the-counter, they're gonna block your generalized histamine. Things like Benadryl, Claritin, and there are a few others. Uh, and there are also H2 blockers, so a lot of people that are dealing with the gastrointestinal problems uh, with the acid reflux and stuff, they'll end up taking things like Xerotec or Xantec uh, to help to calm that down. Well, it is the histamine that's creating this acid situation. And so by taking an antihistamine, it actually calms that down, right? So it helps them with some of the symptoms, allows them to be able to eat, okay? The, the, there are other ones that they'll use. They'll use antidepressants. They'll use some uh, opioids, uh, and they'll also use some uh, NSAIDs. But the key, and Dr. Afrin is, is one of the, the doctors that works a lot with this case. He has a clinic in New York, and he, he says that you really need to do kind of a trial and error. So if you, if you feel like you're dealing with this mast cell activation, you need to take some of the over-the-counter uh, antihistamines and try, try one for 30 days, try another one for 30 days, another one, until you see a significant reduction in your symptoms. And it's really gonna be finding that combination of not only over-the-counter and maybe even prescription meds, but also some of your natural things that will help, which we'll get into now. But before we do that, understand that sometimes even the medications can cause problems, all right? And even some of the supplements you, you take will t- cause problems. So they'll often take these uh, for pain relief, but then they end, end up reacting to the medication itself. And really, it's probably not necessarily the medication. It might even be the fillers or it might be some of the colors they use to, to make those pretty caplets, all right? So you've got to be careful with that. And a lot of times you can get these things compounded. So you just really need to work with somebody that understands this problem. So let's look at some holistic approach here of the way we operate here. We want to look at all four bodies. We want to look at the mind. We want to look at the spirit. We want to look at the body. And we also want to look at the emotions, right? So each of these are often involved with mass activation. And so we want to go after those. And so we'll use things like immune modulators, like your zinc, selenium, vitamin C, your beta-glucans that might be in your mushrooms there, and then omega-3s for inflammation. So these are often uh, very helpful for calming the inflammation down in different areas. You know, if it's in the brain, omega-3s work really well. They cross the blood-brain barrier and they help to calm that, uh, that overactive brain down. So we might use things like LDI, which is low-dose immunotherapy, to desensitize them to the foods. And this is an interesting point I wanna bring up. Um, a lot of people used to be able to eat 10 or, 20 different foods and then all of a sudden they start getting limited down to four foods. To me, that is not really a true allergy to the food, but it's a system that is overreacting to foods. So what we need to do is calm that system down and then we can actually reintroduce those foods and they can start having a better uh, better variety of foods there. But LDI will kind of help with some of that desensitization. We also use things like probiotics to balance the gut get that microflora working a little bit better, but we'll use mass cell stabilizers like vitamin C, your curcumin, Chinese school cap. Those are good ones. But another one that's been studied by Dr. Theardides uh, are flavonoids. Uh, your quercetin, your rudin, your luteolin. These are really great mass cell stabilizers and they do really well for a lot of cases. As I said, we've got to kind of find that combination. What, What combination of maybe these flavonoids and some over-the-counters and and sometimes prescription meds which you have to kind of work with your medical doctor on and what kind of things can we do to really balance this system down and calm the triggers down so they can start getting their life back. Also we want to deal with the underlying condition. As I mentioned already with the uh, mold situation, if you have somebody that has that enzyme deficiency and they're being exposed to mold. It makes no sense to treat them if they're gonna go right back to that moldy environment or if they have relationships that are toxic and you're going right back to those toxic relationships. If you're not addressing those, all you're doing is you're just putting yourself right back in the fire. And we need to support all of that. So we need to help, help them to find some counseling and, and get some work on those relationships. We need to help them uh, manage their stress How do we get them in balance? How do we get them to exercise a little bit? How do we get them to meditate? What are some things we can do to help there? And lastly, we want to have healthy neural feedback. I touched on the amygdala. The amygdala is your threat center. It is sitting in the middle of the brain here. You can see on this picture. And then there's the hippocampus, which is our memory center. So as we've had traumas and events happen in our life, these all get recorded under hippocampus. And the amygdala will will scan the internal and external environments looking for threats all the time. And we're glad that that's there because if a tiger comes in the room, whoever's the slowest is probably going to get eaten, right? But we're all going to be kicking into fight flight. Our brain's going to say, we no longer need detox. We no longer need rest. We don't need digestion. We need to move all resources over to the brain, to the muscles, and to uh, moving of energy, right? And so that's perfect when we have a a tiger in the room. But what if we have a perceived threat, like we have all day long it seems like anymore? And the stress at work, we have a, a, you know, a toxic relationship at work, or we have um, a, an overwhelming amount of things we have to do. These are all, the, the brain doesn't know any different between that and a tiger. So it's gonna put you in this fight flight mode. Well, We need to calm that down if we're ever gonna have any exce- success in uh, getting rid of mast cell activation. So we're going to do some retraining using maybe some Gupta method by Ashok Gupta or uh, Annie Hopper's DNRS. Or we might teach him to tap, to give feedback to the brain to kind of downregulate that amygdala system so that we can help uh, the system to work better. And that's that holistic approach we're talking about. We also want to look at diet. Uh, Obviously, there are antihistamine diets out there that will help you to not be exposed to more histamine. Uh, and will help to calm the system down. And at some point, we might be able to reintroduce more foods back in. But you want to avoid things that have been sitting out. You want to avoid leftovers unless they've been frozen. You want to avoid your your smoked meats, which all taste so good. The smoked cheeses, the aged things, uh, any of the the sauerkrauts. Those are any of those fermented foods are all going to have high histamine levels. All right. Unfortunately, even things like spinach and citrus fruits are going to be high in. in histamine as well. So until we can get your system calmed down and understand what's causing the trigger, we need you to avoid some of those foods. We want you to eat healthy vegetables, healthy meats, and um, healthy grains as well. And Lastly, I want to just kind of touch again on the biologic approach. We've, We've talked about this in the past, but we look at things differently. We look at circuit healing. We want to see how does information flow through the body and is there healthy information flow through the body? We look at not only the hardware and how the whole system is working, but we also wanna look at how is it interacting? How are they communicating with each other? Because if, if they're not working together, they're working against each other. So we're looking at an approach where we, we start with the input. What's going into the body? What kind of information's, uh, or what, what kind of things are, are affecting the body? And then how is that information flowing? How is feedback happening to the brain? The amygdala is one of those feedbacks. If we can change the feedback going to the body from the brain, uh, then we can actually change some of these conditions. It's amazing, even overnight, even doing just goop alone or doing tapping alone can help these conditions, which we, you would think is just extremely a, a physiological problem, but it's, it's really connected to the amygdala as well. And then we'll also look at how are they adapting to their health. So if we're taking that load down, we're going to give them a better ability to adapt to their environment and to their their system. That will eventually lead to health. With that, I want to take some time for questions. I want to thank everybody for coming out.
1: Yes. Having done the DNRS with Annie. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt a little bit like a slow boat to China. -hmm. And I'm wondering is biofeedback, is there um,
0: other ways of um,
1: doing
0: that as well? Yes. So you would want to identify first and, and again, it's not a standalone, Annie Hopper and Gupta, not a standalone. It's really in combination with a lot of the things we're doing, but what we find is that helps, all right? So you'd want to identify, is there something else in, in one of the other, four bo- other three bodies that are actually working? And then also there are things like clear mind, the, the neural feedback that way. There's vagus nerve stimulation that, that gives you biofeedback and there are other programs as well. Yeah. yeah. Other questions? Yes.
1: Why do you think that it
0: affects women in your them? I honestly think it's probably connected to the hormones, the way that their hormones are balanced. But, but there really isn't uh, any good research on that yet. So other questions? Yes. Yeah. Is, is this something that you have seen actually cure? Or is it just the point where you guys just suppress it enough to live comfortably? That's a really good question. And um, unfortunately, we have not seen, well, I've had a few cases where it's gone and we we don't even see it. And and you have to understand that mast cell is on a spectrum as well. There's mild mast cell cases and there's really extreme mast cell cases. So the really extreme mast cell cases, our goal really is to try to suppress that and then help their body to to work where it should be. I think it's something they'll have to deal with uh, probably the rest of their life, but if we can give them tools to manage it successfully, it's not unlike anything like with chronic Lyme and other things where they can get back to their life like they wanted to before. It's just it's just a matter of figuring out the right steps. Yeah. So other questions? I just have a comment. Yeah. As you can see I'm eating like a
1: bunch of different stuff today, but like I had really severe past occupation syndrome. And I had tried uh, a lot of different things. I tried Claritin. I tried Zyrtec. I tried like, a bunch of different things. But I did Cromolyn Sodium, which is a uh, type of antihistamine, and I paired that with um, alpha glyco Citrin, and that was like something that Dr. James recommended. And now I was able to get off of like all of my over-the-counters in all of my prescriptions, and I'm actually all with the alpha-glyco-isocoracitrin. And so, I mean, it was to the point where like I was having just immediate hives I was having just like pre-melanomas pop up like overnight, like things like that that were causing severe mast cells. So it definitely is possible to, you know, combine all these things. Like you said, I do the tapping. Um, and then of course, see the clear mind here. But there are a lot of just pairing it all together. There is a way to just completely eliminate it.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Any other questions or thoughts? Yes,
1: I don't know if this is a question. Well, I guess it is. <laughs> um, you were talking about the amygdala like being in the emotional part. Um, I had I've been told by this by the doctor and I didn't know if it was true. It's very strange, but so our brains can't tell a difference. Like what we watch on TV, whether it's true or not, like the emotional part. Mm-hmm. So he was saying, be very careful, you know, your entertainment, what you watch and what you're going through emotionally. Right.
0: Pretty- so. Our subconscious is running programs, and this is kind of the software we're talking about, but it runs programs in the background. All the breaths we just took, all the heartbeats, those are all happening on a program. We don't have to think about it, fortunately. If we had to think about everything our body does, we'd be wiped out. But yeah, there are programs that are running. Now, there was research that was done on somebody that, they they had a group of people come in and run a mile, and they did a a functional MRI, and they measured all the areas that lit up uh, after they ran, right? So then they had them come back three months later, and they had them not run, but just visualize that run, the same thing. And then they scanned them again, and they found the same areas were lit up that as if they were actually running. And so the idea is like, if you're trying to develop a skill, then uh, if you visualize yourself, so my daughter was in gymnastics, and we tried to get her to understand the psychology behind this. If you visualize going through your routine, then your, your, your brain is going to develop these hardwires, uh, the neurons, to actually get um, some of these muscle development happening to where you can get that skill done faster. And so, yes, the brain doesn't know the difference between real and virtual. And that's the, that's the problem with a lot of things. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, in that line, another way of looking at that, um, too, which I was taught, is to recognize when you're seeking... Adrenaline, um, entertainment, uh, activities, sports, whatever it is, because that's
0: activating those pathways, I guess. So dopamine, they're they're seeking dopamine, yeah, highs, essentially. Yeah, some of the same things, yes. Other thoughts or questions? All right, guys, well, thank you for coming out. Have a good day. Thank you. To access more information and resources from this episode and previous biologic podcasts, or to learn how Biologic Center for Optimum Health's all-inclusive treatment program helps those with chronic illness, visit our website at biologicscenter.com.